You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 208, Guillermo Elizondo of Territorium Life. Hi, this is Rod Murray. Welcome back. That was a clip from Concerto Number no. 4 in G Minor, The Winter Concerto by Vivaldi. As usual, I'll play the full song at the end of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I am very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulsepodcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is RodsPods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. Today, I interview Guillermo Alessandro. He's the CEO of a company called Territorium Life. Quote, AI-powered competency records for 21st century learners and employers with over 10 million users worldwide, end quote. So we discussed Guillermo's background and history of Territorium. It was very interesting. He was ready to quit college and build an app with one of his friends. Instead, he went to his college president, and they gave him credit for building the first app. So we talk about how they define and track competencies currently required by employers, measuring employability, retention, and engagement, how they capture learning inside and outside of the classroom. They create an IMS-certified comprehensive learner record. And interestingly, their technology is very up-to-date. They build a portable digital skills wallet powered by the blockchain. And they use blockchain-validated credentials. Of course, they have LMS integration. And they also use AI for mapping outcomes to job market requirements. And they have an AI career recommendation engine. They help to coach institutions to improve their curricula. And they've just launched CareerBit, a mobile app like Fitbit, but for careers. So without further ado, here's my interview with Galermo. I'm joined today my virtual office by Glermo Elizondo. And uh, Glermo, um, how are you and where are you uh, joining us from today? Thank you, Rodney. So today I'm from Mexico City. Um, I have been traveling a lot the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was in New York, D.C., and now in Mexico City. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I'm very interested to, to learn about uh, the details of your product, which is Territorium Life. Um, to be honest, I hadn't heard of it until recently. Someone brought it to my attention. Uh, I'm grateful to them. I always love to hear about new educational technologies and how they're going to help faculty and students uh, learn better. So, But before we get into the uh, details of what your product does and how it works, I'm also interested in uh, entrepreneurs and how they get started. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved? Okay. Great. So on my background, this is my only job in my life. <laughs> uh, so uh, my co-founder and I started this um, uh, this project, this company when we were in college. I can tell you the story of how it started. Before college, um, in high school, 
my co-founder and I created a first company. We were very young and I don't know, we we had we have old souls. That's why we started uh, so early. And the first company we started, it was around classroom collaboration. We like it a lot education. We like it a lot software development. And we created an initial project around um, classroom collaboration, a simple app while we were in high school. When we got into college, we were growing that project in Latin America. I'm, I'm from Mexico. And we were traveling a lot mostly around Mexico and some countries in Central America. One day we said like, hey, we cannot continue with college. We need to drop out. We, we thought we were like those big entrepreneurs. We thought like we were like Bill Gates, you know, and we said like, hey, we can drop out and grow our business. We were not making that much money, but for a college student, it was good. So one, one day I said like, hey, let's drop out. The thing is that I went with my mother and I told my mother, hey, I'm drinking and in dropping out. And my mother told me, hey, if you drop out, forget about your last. And I was, really? She was pretty serious. She put all my things in my luggage. She put it outside my house. So just as context, in, in Mexico, normally in college, you don't go to another place. You still live with your parents when you go to college. So she was serious. I was not having any more my house, not having any more my car. Uh, anything, you know? So that night I slept at my co-founder's house <laughs> and I told him, hey, we need to find a way of finishing college, you know? So we went to the college president uh, in the university. He knew us because the, uh, the college was a, a customer of that first product that we developed when we were in high school. And we told him, hey, we are thinking, we are thinking of dropping out. Uh, we, we're, we cannot go to classes. We're traveling a lot. We're growing a business. And he told us, hey, and it was a surprise for us. I thought he, he was going to tell me, oh, drop out, do whatever you want. But he told us, hey, this university is transforming. And we, we want to make new, new educational models. And I think we can pilot something with you and your co-founder. And I said, like, hey, tell me, what do we need to do? And he told us, what about... Um, if you get college credits for what you're doing in your business. And I went, oh, oh, that's amazing. You know, I almost hugged the guy, you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> this is the best of the two worlds, right? And just he told us, okay, you need to document everything. You don't need to document all the process, work with your team and show how you're developing the skills that you're supposed to develop in the courses while building your business. Wonderful, yeah. So for doing that, Gerardo and I said, like, oh, we need to do something simple, a platform in which we upload evidence of what we're doing on our business. And then professors can go and validate it. And then we will show the progress on the skills. And then that can get us the credits, right? So that's how everything started. We call it, in that time, we call the product skills guide. Now we call it comprehensive learner record because of, of all the movement in the U.S. But really, we developed this for ourselves so that we can finish college. Um, and then we found out that uh, this could help a lot of other students that wanted to show their skills to help institutions to uh, manage a skills-based model, to help students to move from education to work by not showing the traditional transcript with courses and grades, but really having a full profile based on skills and pieces of evidence related to those skills. And the rest is history. Now, 
we have over 10 million users worldwide, and we are growing this business around the world. Wonderful. Well, that, that's that's such a great uh, startup story. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> I had no idea that that's a uh, typical situation with uh, with college, but uh, uh, very interesting. And and you you showed a lot of foresight in uh, going to your college president. That that was perfect. Yeah, wonderful. So I guess um, as a uh, educational technologist, I'm I'm interested in you know details of how your product works. Um, so how does it track competencies? What what does that look like? So we map multiple pieces of evidence or types of evidence into job required skills, um, and it's a combination. So in one way we map, hey. What's the evidence? How this evidence map to the learning outcomes of a course or any type of learning outcome? And then how we map those learning outcomes to job market requirements. So on one side, we partner with several organizations for pulling data of what's the skills required by the job market. We map those skills required to learning outcomes by using um, an AI algorithm that basically scraps data and scraps uh, basically keywords on the learning outcomes and activities that students are doing so that we can make that mapping between job market requirements and learning outcomes. And then on the other side, we map the learning outcomes to pieces of evidence. And a piece of evidence can be that you finish a course that is related to those learning outcomes, or a piece of evidence can be even that you did a homework or you did a certain activity, um, you uh, participated in the basketball team, or you made an internship. Um, so there are multiple pieces of evidence that we map back to the learning outcomes um, and create then the profile of the student based on skills. So I guess uh, in order for this to work well, you you really have to have the competencies of each course uh, very well mapped out ahead of time. Was this something that was done routinely at that at your university that... Um, because a lot of times uh, I've been in academia my, my whole professional life and that doesn't always uh, happen, at least uh, not in my experience. You know, uh, faculty uh, get out there and they lecture and, you know, we're getting away from lecturing, but uh, a lot of faculty aren't trained in, you know, in um, instructional design and mapping out your competency. So that was that something already in place or did you have to coach your faculty how to, to do that for their courses? There are two answers to this question. One is we started in Latin America and we started with a lot of institutions that are competency-based. So there was done, right? On the other side, in the US, you know, is the land of the free. So everyone is free <laughs> in the universities. Um, so, and, and that's good, depending on how you see it. So what we do in the case of the US is all most of the courses in the universities have their learning outcomes defined. Not necessarily that the, that the professor, the faculty then maps pieces of evidence to those learning outcomes. That, that does not happen. Uh, but at least what we have is a set of courses, I don't know, physics course or math course or whatever course is mapped to this learning outcome. These students will have certain abilities after they finish the course. So what we're doing in U.S. is pulling those learning outcomes from courses and then mapping that back to, um, to job market requirement skills and transforming mostly transcripts into these records based on skills uh, instead of courses and grades. 
and where we can get some other type of evidence, we also map that type of evidence so that we can roll out the platform faster. Because if we do it, um, I will say it on working uh, on the faculty side, um, on mapping the activities and all that part, it will take a lot of time. So our first approach is, hey, let's work with what's already in place, that is learning outcomes by course, and map those learning outcomes to the job market requirements. So that's that's basically what we do. Okay, how do you determine uh, job market uh, requirements? Uh, what, how long of a process was that? Is that something that you do continuously? How do, how do you do that first? So on one side, we scrap data from job posting sites directly from our side uh, with some job posting sites that we have partnership. Um, in the case of US, uh, we also partner um, with an organization that's now called Lycast. Uh, in the past, they were called MC Burning Glass. Um, and we are using a lot of their data that basically what they do is they, they scrap 10,000 job posting sites every, I don't know, two minutes. And then we use their data to map back to learning outcomes and then create a whole profile for the students. Okay, I've got it. So one place that maybe I'm not clear on, okay, so... Uh, and especially in a, in a U.S. school. So, yes, the, the department and a course has course-wide learning outcomes. And yeah. you can map, certainly you can map those outcomes to job uh, requirements. But what if the teacher is not teaching <laughs> to those requirements? Uh, how, how do you really know that um, that particular student or group of students is uh, learning those things? Yeah, so I will say that our approach is a two-phases approach. The first phase is working out just, you know, transforming the traditional transcript. I will call it the transcript 2.0 now, right? If we see it in a certain perspective, um, you get your transcript and it says that you took, I don't know, the accounting class, accounting one-on-one uh, class and you got a B, right? It doesn't say much, right, about someone. What we're doing now is putting the next level that is, hey, these are the learning outcomes based on what the university says that those learning outcomes, and we are trusting the university on that, right? And we are mapping that to, to, to job market requirements to start saying more about the student than just saying that student took the accounting one-on-one -on -one course and got to be, right? Uh, so that's the first phase, and that's how we're deploying fast. Of course, in that phase, we, we, are, we are not sure if it's really the professor, the teacher, you know, work out certain learning out, right? But the next phase is working with the faculty and now doing the mapping on the pieces of evidence and mapping the learning progression of the student directly within the course, right? And that's the second phase. So what, what we're looking at in this phase, phase approach is a way of Start the transformation of the college. That's the first phase. Make sure that the college now starts speaking the skills language, right? Helping students to connect to jobs, giving, giving them more value and data of what they did where they were in college. That's the first phase. And the second phase is now working with the faculty now that the university started speaking that language. So that's, that's basically the two-phase approach. Okay. Okay. That, that sounds uh, very logical. Um, 
I'm just wondering why why not uh, through through a learning management system. I mean, you mentioned transcripts and you know their final course grades, but why not work through the LMS where you could probably grab onto the you know test performance and actually scrape you know the exam questions and map them to competencies. Right. So I will say there is a phase one point five. So we normally integrate with LMSs uh, and we pull the data from the LMSs activities, assessments, and map that back uh, to the pieces of as pieces of evidence to the learning outcomes and then to job market requirements. Um, but what we have found is that it depends on each university how much is in the LMS, right? Uh, we have customers in the in the US that have 30% of the data or 30% of the teachers really use the LMS and 70% does not. We have others that have 100% LMS, and those ones are amazing because we have all the evidence just at once, right? Yeah. So that, that's why I call it phase 1.5, because it depends on the college and how much data they have on the LMS. Got it. Got it. Yes, that makes sense. I, I know, oh gosh, back in the 90s, uh, I helped to uh, integrate the Blackboard LMS into my institution I used to work for, and uh, you know, I've been through so many... LMS uh, integrations and installations, and uh, it was often difficult to get faculty to move from their old ways of doing things uh, and, and, and looking at what uh, I, I conclude are, are you know, instructional design uh, uh, techniques and, and um, protocols that, that really help. A lot of U.S. institutions, I'm sure worldwide, are more liberal arts uh, oriented and I can imagine, uh, well, let me ask you, have, are there faculty or institutions that push back a little bit and say, listen, we're not here to train people for jobs. That's that's uh, really for trade schools and so forth. Uh, what what do you say to them? You know, we, we have those cases, right? However, more and more we are seeing faculty and liberal arts colleges that are saying, hey, I need to show the return of investment of a student going to college. You know, and now more than ever, they need to show that return of investment. And the return of investment is no is now no telling not telling the student, hey, hey, you got an A on accounting one on one, and here is your degree. Uh, it's really telling them, hey, this is your progress towards getting a job and earning this amount of money. And more and more institutions are facing that challenge. That students are, you know, challenging basically why they are going to college uh, and. And we are giving the giving them the answer and helping the college to speak the same language as the job market. So that that's what we're finding now. Still, we have some people that say, "Hey, we are not into that." But we tell them, "Hey, it's it's an approach that goes the two ways. If if you start working with skills and uh, mapping back to job market requirements, it doesn't kill the other part of what you're doing. You know, it's it's just a way of helping the student more, right?" Um, you can still develop other values and other areas that students develop while they're in a liberal arts college. Uh, but at the same time, tell them, hey, you can get a job. And really, 99% of the students go to college because they want to get a job, whatever job. That's true. That's true, hopefully. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, understood. Uh, one of the things I, I glanced at on your website, uh, you mentioned capturing learning outside the classroom. Um, what does that mean and how, how do you do that? Yeah. 
So we map other types of learning experiences. Normally, we work that with the student affairs um, area within institutions, and that will be sports, internships, um, clubs, any other type of learning experience. What we find out is that sometimes institutions have their own system for managing that, and we integrate with that system. In other times, we find out that they don't have a system, and we have a small module that help us to register what students are doing outside the classroom, like sports and clubs and other things, so that we can pull that as part of the data. Um, so that, that's the way we do it. I see. I see. Well, that makes sense. Um, you know, students these days, I know my, my daughter uh, transferred after her first year, and a lot of students, you know, graduate from a different college than they started with, is, um, you know, and their website mentions their their digital skills wallet. Is that something that potentially follows the student then from institution to institution? Yeah, of course. Uh, the idea of this is that we are building these records while you go to one institution, but maybe you go to another institution. Even we can think of this, you went to high school and then you go to college. And, and, and a lot of our vision is creating this record through life. Um, then you went to, to, job, to a job. So basically what we're doing is no matter where you are, all the data is issued into your digital wallet with blockchain so that you can own that data, no matter how many institutions you go. Um, and it's portable. You go to one institution, to another, to another, and everything is stored in blockchain. And I will say like the center of the world from a data perspective is the student. So the data is distributed, but the center is the student. And then the student decides how they want to share that data. So that's that's how we do it. Very interesting. I'm impressed that that you're using blockchain. Is that was that a hard uh, hill to climb uh, to implement that? I'm just curious. No, no, no. Uh, it was not that hard. Um, we uh, we 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 use a blockchain provider. We work with in our side with Microsoft. That is part of. Uh, they're one of our partners. It, it was not that difficult. Got it. Interesting. Well, that, that's that's really good to hear. Now. Um, I've interviewed other companies. Uh, uh, the one that comes to mind is Accredible, which specializes in, you know, the the accreditation side. You know, once a student graduates and um, they have a record that's uh, potentially as uh, an optional thing is in the blockchain, and uh, the students are able to carry their uh, to issue a, a valid transcript of their college education. Is this something that you do as well? Yeah, we we do that as well. Uh, however, our focus is more, hey, great that we build the data, great that we issued that for the student, but then how can we help the student using that data to move them, help them move into, into jobs and how we map that back to job market requirements. That, that's really where our value is. Interesting. Good. So when you have an, uh, an engagement with a university, um, is it always at the university level? Is it at the college or the department or individual faculty level? How does that work in terms of your uh, your, your model? Yeah, it, it depends how we go in. So sometimes universities are interested in building this alternate transcript of what happens outside the classroom, you know? And so we start on that side. So we start with the student affairs, for example. Or we have institutions that said, says, hey, I want to start building a skills profile even before the student comes into college. So that's, we work with admissions side, right? And, and that's why we have also partnership and we're working a lot of things with ETS 
so like how we can transform assessment to create like more holistic admissions process uh, by, by using data based on skills for what students did before. The other way we go in, um, of course, is on, on the academic side for those this learning progression. And the other way is through registrars and like building this campus-wide transcript. So that's like the four possibilities of how we engage with the college. Most of the time, registrars are very interested in this, but also we have cases that, hey, the registrar is partnering with a, with a student affairs for a project like this, you know? I guess I, I assume you can integrate with just about any LMS. Is that is that true? Use a LTI integration? That's correct. That's correct. We integrate with Blackboard, Canvas, D2L, uh, Moodle. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's great. You seem to be very advanced in terms of using your technology. Uh, you mentioned Microsoft as a as a partner. Um, have you found a use for uh, AI to to uh, to work with? Is that something that's um, I know it's a buzzword these days, but I'm very interested in, and have uh, pretty optimistic about the utilization of some AI techniques. What what, uh, what can you say about that? Yeah, we, we use AI to solve several problems. Um, the first one is the mapping, you know, mapping learning outcomes to job market requirements, mapping pieces of evidence to learning outcomes. That's one way. So if we pull the data from the LMS, we have the data uh, from job market requirements, we have the learning outcomes, we use a machine learning algorithm, basically AI, that is continuously learning how to make the best mapping possible. Uh, so in that way, we reduce significantly the job of humans for making a mapping. Um, that's that's the first way, that's the first problem we solve with AI. Um, the second thing that we solve with AI is we are constantly tracking, hey, this student took this course, this course help the student develop these skills, and these skills brought the student to this job, right? So we're using all that data so that then we have a, um, a recommendation algorithm to start recommending students learning experiences that will work for them because it'll work for others to get the jobs that they are looking for. So that's that's one of the main problems that we're using, that the main problem that we're solving with, with AI. And the third is, connecting the students into jobs. Like, hey, you look a lot like this job, why don't you apply? That's that's basically the three things that we solve with AI. Well, that's that's wonderful. That that sounds like a great selling point uh, to attract students to, you say, I think uh, if I heard you correctly, uh, you can start with a student. So they, they can, they can um, was like a subscription that they, to get their digital skills wallet? Uh, how does that work? So, on one side, right now, it's mostly issued by the institution and they get their digital wallets for free. But then students can, can I will call it, buy learning experiences in our marketplace. And on the other side, organizations can, can pay premium fees to take a look at the profiles of the students. I must say that that, that last part is more on the vision side. We, we are still not charging organizations or employers. Uh, that's more on our vision on creating a revenue stream through there in the future. But but for now, it's really working on the institution side, um, but at the same time, then how we can create learning paths for continuous education for students or graduates so that they can get the jobs that they want. Great, great. Understood. That's, that, that's terrific. You know, um, as an um, educational technologist, um, I'm wondering if 
it's a little bit uh, far afield from from what your main function is, but I'm wondering if uh, having all this data, you can advise institutions on maybe changing the way that they they teach in terms of um, uh, you know the instructional design and how and how that works in their particular course. I, I would think that that would be a tremendous resource to help guide an institution to Im- improve their performance. Is that does that happen? That happens. That's correct, and that's part of the values uh, that we provide to institution. Uh, we tell them, hey, this is how much really your curriculum is mapped to job market requirements. You should think on these other stuff uh, so that you can help more your students to get the jobs that they want. How many students are really getting the jobs? Um, what 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 they are they are missing uh, for getting those jobs? And and that's that's a lot of the insights that we provide to them. Right. You know, uh, we've all been through this uh, horrible pandemic, and for the last couple of years, our faculty and students have been thrown into a lot of uh, Zoom sessions. And uh, I'm wondering how the pandemic has affected your business. So I will say during pandemic, a lot of institutions were focused on online education, basically, because they needed to survive during the pandemic, right? And our part, our side was, um, it was interesting, but they were like, you know, just trying to survive, basically. Uh, through the pandemic, uh, like all of us, right? <laughs> and but now, past pandemic, well, we still have COVID around, but past pandemic uh, world, what's happening is students are more and more, uh, as I said, like challenging the return of investment in college. Institutions are looking more and more the need to help students to land into jobs. We are seeing a lot of even grants and federal dollars, right, focused on this. We're seeing, you know, some uh, inflation and a lot of things happening around economics and macroeconomics uh, that is pushing more and more institutions to start thinking on a skills-based approach. So what's happening now is that now a lot of institutions are looking at us because of all of these reasons. Got it, got it. Well, I think we're almost at the end of our, our time. Usually what I ask in the beginning is, how long have you been in business? And uh, and also, uh, as sort of a closing remark, um, uh, can you tell us about anything new that's coming down the pike uh, you're in terms of your uh, development that, that you're excited about? Great. So we started 10 years ago when I was in college. While I was getting credits for college, still I was in college in a certain perspective. Uh, so the the real growth of the company started in um, around six years ago, 2016, and yeah, that's 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 basically how long we have been in business. And on the other part, uh, we we are about to launch a new product strategy. We'll call it like that on how we are organizing products to help institutions and how we are organizing the data. Um, we're to, we're going to make a launch in January around this uh, next year. Um, the same time on the US team, we have built an amazing US team that we are about to announce. You will see a lot of known people in there, and I, I will say that's the the two things that are I'm most excited: uh, the the US growth and the other side, how we are reshaping the product um, and launching. Uh, for example, within this product strategy, uh, an app that we call CareerBit, that it looks a lot like a Fitbit, 
you know, Fitbit for health and all that stuff, and this for careers. So that's that's the things we are excited about. Uh, very cool. Very interesting. Well, it sounds like you are really uh, top of your game. It sounds like a very interesting uh, product. Uh, I think uh, schools uh, need to look at a product like yours. So I, I, I wish you the best of, of luck and uh, growing your business. And uh, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you, Rodney, for inviting me to join you today. It was a pleasure. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and stay tuned for the full Vivaldi Concerto Number no. 4 in G Minor, the winter concerto performed by the American Baroque Orchestra. Until next time, have a great week. it for today's episode thank you very much for listening don't forget to give rod feedback you can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com 
The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company.